I do extend Christian greetings to all of you this evening. It's a blessing and a privilege to be here. And it is a profound question to think about those three simple words, where are you? Thank you, Brother Jay, for sharing that. Get our hearts stirred and our minds thinking about the Word of God. God has interest of where we are, and I appreciate that. We're happy to be here. I'm happy to be here with my wife of 41 years. I think I got that figured right. Is that right? 41 years? Can you believe that? It's amazing. And... I appreciate her support and her help meet. We do have three children. I'll just do a little bit of an introduction. Travis is the oldest, and like Brother Jay said, he has been ordained to the ministry team there at Traverse Bay. And Travis and Emily have five little girls. And then our second one is Jamie, and she's married to Kendall Schrock. And they also live there at Traverse City. And they have two boys and one girl. Then our third child is Tyler. And probably many of you remember that Tyler was killed four years ago, almost four years ago, in an accident. And I would guess there's probably some prayers on our behalf at that time. And, and if you prayed, we want to thank you. We are in debt to you. And it's been a journey. And there are things in life that come our way that we don't always understand, friends. But we know that God is good and God is in control. And he's been teaching us lots of things. If you want to know what I do, I'm, I'm a construction worker. Uh, no, I do not farm. We don't have a farmer in our church, not anything close to a farmer in our church. And so it's quite different than this part of the country. I realize tonight that uh, Brother Jay said maybe many of you know who I am. I'm not sure a lot of you, uh, I do not know who you are. And so you may wonder, you know, what you're in for this week. And I want to tell you that what we are in for this week is not about me. I want that to be understood. If anything good comes out of this, we're going to give the honor and the glory to the Lord. I am here to be his servant. I'm happy to be here. I want to consecrate myself to this work this week, and I'm going to pour myself into it. But as I, as I look at the congregation, and I'm thinking about this week, and, and I, it was interesting to sit up here and watch you come in and, and see you folks. And You know, there's, there's a lot of things about us that are probably different. Uh, number one, the place where we live and where you live here is a different culture. You know, you people have an accent that I enjoy a lot. I do. But we just can't talk that way up north. And so I, I, I hope that you can understand. I often wonder, you know, how that works. Uh, we go somewhere, we think they have a different accent, they probably think I have a different accent. So I hope you can understand. But, you know, we can say there's a lot of things about us that are different, and we've got some preachers sitting here on this bench, uh, older preachers, younger preachers. I look at this side of the house, and an older couple here, and then we have a whole bunch of younger families. We've got little children here. Back there, we've got a really old preacher sitting back in the back. <laughs> I'm really glad Brother Claire and Diana are here this evening. And I'm spent with these old friends, not old. We've been friends for a long time. We've got a bunch of young families here and some, some older people there's, and some older ladies here. And there's a lot of things about us that we could say are different. That there's different ways, that different places we are in life. But friends, tonight, no matter how different we may seem, or how old or how young we are, or how many years, maybe you've been a church member for 45 years. Maybe you've only been a church member for a, a month. 
Maybe you're not a Christian here tonight. I don't know. But all these differences, you can put them all aside and we can say that we have one thing this evening that we all have in common, no matter who we are. And that one thing that we have in common tonight is that we all need more of God in our life, no matter who we are. And so we have something in common tonight. We all need more of God in our life. And I don't know what you think about when you think about revival meetings. And I don't know when you hear you're going to have revival meetings. I don't know if that brings a cringe to your heart or, or how you feel about that. I hope you don't feel that way. Um, I love revival meetings. I think they're beautiful. And I don't know what you expect out of a week of revival meetings. And I don't know what you think it should look like. Here would be what I would say. I want us to enjoy this week around the Word of God because the Word of God is precious and it is alive and it's powerful. And if all of us could open our hearts, including myself, to have a little bit more of God in our heart every night, that would be a tremendous revival meeting. I trust it's just that simple, brothers and sisters. I trust that that can be our experience as we go through this week. I invite you tonight to open your Bibles to an Old Testament book, the book of Habakkuk. Not a book that we would use a lot, or at least I don't in my preaching, but the book of Habakkuk. And tonight I've got four text verses that I would like to use in this message. Two of them out of the book of Habakkuk, and then two of them out of the New Testament. And the title of the message tonight is Faith 2, spelled T-O. And if I had a board up here tonight, I would write it out just so you could better understand. So that's a very incomplete title. It's a very incomplete sentence. But if you can picture Faith 2, and then dot, 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 dot. And as we go through the message, I want to fill that in. Faith 2. So two verses out of the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2. And Habakkuk is a prophet, and Habakkuk is a man of God that hates sin, and he is waiting on a message from God, a message that he will give to his people. And he says in verse 1, he says, Habakkuk says, I'm going to stand upon my watch and upon the tower. And I'm going to see, I'm going to hear what he's going to say to me. So he says, I'm ready, I'm waiting, I want to hear from God. And then verse 2, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. Now this is a very unique verse. God told him, I'm going to give you a vision, and I want you to write it on tables of stone, I would assume. And he said that he that, so write it upon tables that he may run that readeth. In other words, he's saying, I want to give you a message that is plain and is simple. And I want you to write it on these tables so that the man that carries the tables can run through the community of God's people and they can read it while he's running. That's what the Bible says. Now that's a, that's a different verse. Write this. So it's plain, the man can run with it, and they can read it while he's running. That's what the Bible says. Now in today's 
world. It, well, it made me think about a billboard. We all know what billboards are, right? And so a billboard you can read on the run. And we were driving down the highway today, and I was thinking about this, and I was watching billboards a little bit, and there's a billboard that popped out to me, Chick-fil-A. You can be driving down the road, 70 mile an hour, you can read it. Chick-fil-A, if you want chicken, you know exactly where to go. You can read it on the run. That's what God told his servant here. Then we come to verse 4, and here's the message. Behold his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Oh, friends, tonight, that's the phrase. I, I'm a simple preacher. I like simple, profound statements that I can grab a hold of and I can remember and I can take home with me. Here is a profound statement. The just shall live by his faith. And I believe, as I study this, that you can probably get two interpretations out of that phrase. The just shall live by his faith. We know that that we become just, we become, become saved by faith, and then we live our life of faith because we become, just, we become justified by faith. So that can be one interpretation. The second interpretation can be that the just shall live by their faith every day. It needs to be a daily occurrence in our life that we're living by faith. The just shall live by his faith. Now, if you will, we can go to the New Testament. Thank you, brother. New Testament, Romans chapter 1, and i got two more verses here that I like to use as a text verse. Verses. Romans chapter 1. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would like to echo that tonight. I am not ashamed. I am, I am, it's a privilege this week to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation. To him that believeth. And so there it doesn't say faith, but it indicates faith. To him that believeth. Then verse 17 for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So he's saying here, for therein, for in the gospel of Jesus Christ, righteousness is revealed. In other words, it's revealed to us how to stand right before God. My brothers and sisters, this evening, it is a privilege, it is a blessing to be able to stand right before God. The most miserable thing in our entire life is if we're not right before God and we toss and turn on our bed and we can't sleep because we're guilty. But the gospel of Jesus Christ shows us how to stand right before God. And we go to bed at night and we can close our eyes and sleep with a clear conscience. And so right standing before God comes by faith, justified by faith. And then he makes this comment here, from faith to faith in verse 17. From faith to faith. Friends, tonight we all know that it takes faith to get saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth faith in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It takes faith to be saved. And friends, tonight it takes faith 
to stay saved. From faith to faith. Faith from the start to the finish. And that's the, if I can call it this way tonight, that's the billboard vision I want you to get tonight, this profound statement. The just shall live by his faith every day. We need to live by faith. Some people live by the paycheck. Or how much money they have in the bank. Some people live by position or power of a temporary world or the thrills and frills of a temporary world. Some people live by church standards and rules that mom and dad have. And I'm not saying they're wrong. They're good. But I believe, friends, that we should live by faith. And I like to say tonight that living by faith is not something that's hereditary that came to you through your genes because grandma and grandpa did it and mom and dad did it. Living by faith isn't something that you do just because it's within the culture in which you live because everybody in your culture is people, are people of faith. No. Living by faith, friends, is a choice that we make. We choose to live by faith. So tonight I would like to focus in on some practical aspects. What does this mean in a practical way to live by faith? I invite you to Romans chapter 8. We're in Romans, so go to chapter 8. So my first point is this. Faith to, remember our title is faith to, now I would add to that, faith to carry on. Romans chapter 8. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Now Paul is saying here, what would it take to separate us from our faith, from the Lord Jesus Christ? What would it take? Well, would it take famine? I don't think you're threatened with that here. You all got food to eat. Would it take nakedness? I don't think so. It looks like you all got good clothes to wear. I don't think that's a threat. Or would it take tribulation or distress? Would it take troubled times in life, difficult times in life to separate us from our faith? Would it take persecution to separate us from our faith? Or maybe we should ask, well, maybe we should think a little bit about persecution. What if, what if some soldier walked in here tonight and he said, and he had a gun with him, and he said, you know what? Those of you that will deny your faith, you just walk right out out the door. And those of you that are going to stand for Jesus, you just stand right up against the wall because I'm going to shoot you all. What if that would happen? Would that separate us from our faith? Now, that's a difficult question to think about. But maybe we should flip it around and say, how little would it take to separate me from my faith? How little would it take for me to backslide? 
How little would it take for me to get lukewarm? How little would it take for me to get complacent in my walk with God? Well, Paul answers it like this in verse 37. He says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul says, No. No. He says, I won't be separated from my faith. No, I'm not going to lose my faith. No, I'm not going to be faithless. But he says, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, a conqueror means to be victorious. Victory. Beat the enemy. Uh, beat the devil. Win the battle. Paul says we're more than that. And I've often wondered, how can we be more than a conqueror? How can we do more than win? You know, if you win a ball game, you won the ball game. How do you do more than win the ball game? More than conquerors. Well, I made up this little illustration. I don't know if it will make any sense to you or not as I try to understand this. This is Tuesday night. So let's say that the last weekend, let's say Saturday, let's say I fought a, a terrific spiritual battle in my life and I'm, I'm making up this scenario. Let's say I fought a tremendous spiritual battle. It was intense, it was brutal, and it was tough. But I, I came out victorious. I won. But I came here to church tonight and I've got 15 stitches in my forehead and I've got a broken arm and a, and a cast and I've got a broken leg and I'm walking on crutches and, and I'm just all beat up and I'm wore down to a frazzle. But I won. Now am I in position to fight another battle? Think about that. Spiritually speaking, am I ready to fight another battle? You know, the answer is no. But Paul says we must be more than conquerors. And we go back to this verse that I read in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, where it says, From faith to faith, the just shall live by their faith. By faith. Here's what I understand this means, be more than conquerors. By faith, we come out of the last battle stronger than we were when we went into it. From faith to faith, we come out of that battle more than conquerors because now I've got more conviction. I've got more character. I've got more love for God. I've got more determination. I've got more spiritual strength in my heart. Friends, tonight, that is a faith that carries on through the difficult times in life. And yes, we have difficult times in life. The last couple of years, we've experienced difficult times in life. But we're more than conquerors because it's growing. Now, as I think about a faith to carry on year after year, battle after battle after battle, more than conquerors, <coughs> excuse me, I think about Hebrews chapter 11, and you don't have to turn there, I'm going to refer to it, but a verse there that we all know that I like a lot, Hebrews 11:6. but without faith it is impossible to please God, he that Cometh to God must believe, have faith that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God rewards faith. And dear people tonight, if we can leave this meeting tonight and have our faith grow a little bit, it will be a successful meeting. God rewards faith. 
faith to carry on. I think about Noah, and that's the next verse in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, verse 7 starts, by faith Noah. What did Noah do? Somebody tell me. This is not a trick question. What did Noah do? He prepared an ark. He built an ark. An ark that was 475, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high on dry land. Did that make any sense? Did it make any sense? It didn't make any sense. By faith, Noah built an ark. How did Noah carry on for 100 years? How for 100 years could Noah get up every morning and eat his breakfast and go outside and grab his tool bag and his saw and go cut down another tree? How could he do it for 100 years? How could you have faith like that? Well, maybe the first step was when he cut down that first tree. Actually, maybe the first step was when he sat down for breakfast with his wife and he said, honey, maybe she said, honey, what are you going to do today? And Noah said, I'm going to build an ark. What? What do you say you're going to do today? Build an ark. That was probably the first step of faith. And then maybe the second step of faith was when he went out and cut down that first tree. And he, him and his son, sons are cutting down this huge tree. And the, the neighbors come around. The people come around. They say, wow, no, that's a big tree. That's going to make a lot of cooking firewood, isn't it, Noah? He said, no, I'm building a boat. What? Where's the water? Where's the water at? But Noah had a faith that carried on for a hundred years. It was from faith to faith. First tree, second tree, third tree. And by the time he started counting down a hundred trees, he had a lot of faith. Verse 8 says, by faith, Abraham, he left home. He went to a strange country. He didn't know where he was going. Again, you could say, how, how did he do this? How could a man of, of Noah's stature, whatever, position, how could he just pack up and go? Again, you could say maybe the first step of faith was saying to Mrs. Abraham, Sarah, we're going on a trip. And she said, where are we going? He said, I don't know. That takes faith. And then, you know, the next step of faith, he just packed his bags. And then the next step of faith, he take the first step away from home. Faith to faith. By faith, Moses refused the palace, the position, the riches, the power. By faith, he knocked on Pharaoh's door, and I like to read that account because uh, Moses' faith wasn't really real strong, and I've got a terrific imagination. But I imagine the first time him and Aaron walked up to Pharaoh's door, and it was probably just a, I think he was scared to knock. I don't think his faith was very strong. He said, and Pharaoh comes to the door, and Moses said, Aaron, you're doing the talking. But you know, the next time you read that account, until you, you start reading that account, and they keep going back to Pharaoh's door, and they knock on the door. And by the second, third, fourth time, it wasn't, it wasn't Aaron doing the talking. It was Moses doing the talking, if you read that account, because his faith had grown. And I believe by the time he got to the end, he went right up to the door. And he told Pharaoh, let my people go. By faith, he believed God. Friends, those are some beautiful examples 
powerful examples of by faith we can be more than conquerors to carry on. God may not ask you to build an ark. He may ask you to speak to your brother or sister by faith. By faith. Faith to carry on. My second point tonight would be this. Faith to believe in a personal God. Someone has said, I don't know who said this, but I quote, (coughs) excuse me, how is it that God is immense and personal at the same time? You ever think about that, how big God is? We know, we try to wrap our mind around it, we can't, but God is so big, he's so immense. And yet he's personal at this very same time. And as I try to think about that, I try to think of ways to wrap my mind about that, and I think about the United States of America, and it, it seems like the country that we live in is out of control. Everything is messed up. Seems like such a huge problem. It's so big. And then God comes along, and he says this. He said, Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as small dust on the scale. What is small dust on the scale? What is that? Anyone? What's small dust on the scale? It's like nothing. It's not a, you don't even need to wipe it off because it doesn't make any difference. And this big God that we serve that is so immense and yet, think about it, United States of America is like a drop of water in a bucket. That big God, who's so big, has a personal interest in you. And friends, tonight, I, I just I want you to get this point. It's, it's not hard. It's so simple. But I want us to understand tonight that God, that big God, has got a personal interest in you, whoever you are tonight. God cares about you. And if you miss this tonight, then you're going to miss the rest of what I want to share about practical faith, living in faith. If you don't believe that tonight, that God has a personal interest in you. And then it, the rest of what I want to say doesn't apply. So I want you to believe that tonight. I want you to appreciate that. And to help you appreciate that, will you turn with me to Luke chapter 12? <clears throat> Luke chapter 12, verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are more of value than many sparrows. Now we have Jesus talking here, and he's talking about birds. Now, how many of you tonight feed birds? I want you to raise your hand if you feed the birds. Okay, yeah, quite a few of you. How many of you love sparrows at your feeder? You just love it. Oh, we got one, two. Yeah, you, like, you just like birds, okay? Most of you would probably, well, I don't know what you'd rather do, but some of you would probably scare them away, maybe even shoot them. What if somebody came up to your door and knocked on the door and said, I got five sparrows to sell you? 
Oh, yeah, quick, let me go get my billfold, huh? No, hardly. You don't appreciate them that much. Generally speaking, people don't like the sparrows. I'm glad if you were honest tonight, you like the sparrows. God made them. But Jesus is saying you can have five sparrows and they're basically worth nothing. The Amplified would say two pennies. That's what they're worth. They're not worth much. <coughs> and then Jesus said this. He said, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. That's a good reason to like a sparrow because God likes a sparrow. God understands a sparrow. God knows if a sparrow is hungry. God sees a sparrow that's got his wing clipped. God sees a sparrow that's got his leg hurt. God understands about a sparrow. He knows if they have a need. Then Jesus said this, You people are so much more valuable to God. He even knows the count of the hairs on your head. Some time ago, my wife said to me, Delmer, do you know that you're getting a bald spot on the back of your head? Hmm. -mm. I didn't know that. I mean, how would I know that? I comb my hair just like I always comb it, and it doesn't feel any different. I can't twist my eyes around, look at the back of my head. I don't know if I got a bald spot in the back of my head. And it's been a lot of years since I took a mirror to a mirror and looked to see if I had a bald I just don't do that. You see, I don't really care if I'm losing hair on the back of my head. I don't really care. But you know what, friends, tonight is precious to me that God is so interested in me that he knows how many hair are on the back of my head. Now, I don't know a lot of names out here tonight, so I'm just going to randomly pick some people. Uh, second bench from the back, blue shirt. Can you stand your feet? Back at back of you, yeah, you, yeah, you stand your feet. What's your name? Alvin. Alvin. Okay. And uh, black striped shirt. Can you stand to your feet right here? Yep, you. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know your names. And young man, right down here in the blue. Can you stand your feet? All right. Alvin, do you understand that God knows exactly how many hair are on your head? Understand that? Thank you. Maybe see it. What's your name? Flowing. Do you understand that God knows how many hair are on your head? Thank you. Maybe see it. Young man, what's your name? Tyler. Do you understand, Tyler, that God knows how many hair are on your head? Thank you. Maybe see it. Friends, tonight, faith to believe in a personal God. God knows. God cares. If you got hurts in your life, God cares if you've been abused. God cares about your marriage. God cares about your family. God cares about your cell phone. God knows if you're lonely. God knows if you feel rejected. Friends, tonight you have faith to believe in a personal God. 
I want you people tonight to understand. We need more than a denominational faith. The Mennonites are known to be people of faith, and that is great. That's wonderful. I appreciate that. But what does that do exactly for you, my friend? We need something that is bigger and more powerful than just a uh, conference faith, Southeast Conference. And I appreciate your confidence. I love you people. But you need something that is more personal than that. You need something that is greater than a, than a congregational faith. I believe this congregation is a congregation of faith. But you need something more personal than that, friends. Faith to believe in a personal God. A personal faith. God has created you to live in faith on a personal level because he is a personal God. Remember, he knows the number of hairs on your head. The third point I want to share tonight is this, and we're completing this sentence. Faith to give all. I'd like for us to go to John chapter 6, if you can. John chapter 6, starting to read at verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, what, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples. And the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. <coughs> now this is a true story, true account, whatever you want to call it. Now I would like for you to think about a couple things tonight. I want for you to think about two objects that I brought with me. <clears throat> See what this is, Jay? See what, See what that is? Yeah. Okay, so we got bread and fish. I've got five pieces of bread and I've got two pieces of fish. I like for you to think about that. The story talks about five pieces of bread and two pieces of fish. I would also like for you to think about two people. The one was a disciple. The Bible here says it was Andrew, disciple Andrew, and then a young man that the Bible just calls a lad. And I don't know how old this young boy was, but the Bible calls him a lad. 
And I like to let my imagination run, but how do you think that Andrew and the lad got together? I wonder how that happened. You had this huge crowd of people. And somehow Andrew and this lad got together. Now, I don't know. Maybe Andrew was thinking. Maybe he was alert. Maybe he was paying attention. And he sees this crowd of people, and, and it was supper time. If you read the other accounts in Matthew and Mark, I think it is, it says that it was evening, the day was long past, and so here we are. It's maybe past supper time. These people are in the middle of nowhere, no food. What is Jesus going to do? And maybe Andrew, I don't know, I'm only imagining, maybe he imagined, or maybe he thought, you know what, if we had some food, I wonder what Jesus would do with it. You see, they had just been with Jesus, and the reason this crowd of people was following was because of all the miracles that Jesus had done. And so maybe Andrew's thinking, ah, maybe if we had some food, we could have another miracle. I have no idea. Maybe that's what he was thinking. So maybe he was looking for food, and he found this lad, and he found this boy that had maybe just opened up his lunch, and he had this nice amount of food that probably his mama had packed for him in his lunch bucket. And we don't know what happened, but if we can only imagine, maybe Andrew saw that and he said, maybe he said, lad, you know what? Uh, would you like to give that food to Jesus? And maybe the lad said, well, I don't know. I, I'm pretty hungry. <laughs> I, it's, my mom packed this for me and I, I think I'll just eat it if that's all right. And maybe Andrew said, well, don't you really think you should give it to Jesus? Um, wouldn't that be the right thing to do? And maybe the lad considered, and then maybe, I mean, I don't know, I'm just using my imagination. Maybe he said, you know what? He said, what I could do is I could make two sandwiches. See, like that. And another sandwich. See, fish sandwiches have been around for a long time, haven't they? <laughs> uh, he said, maybe I could make two sandwiches, and I could give one to Jesus, and one for myself, and Andrew, I'll give you the extra piece of bread. How about that? And maybe Andrew said, well, no. He said, don't you really think you should just give it all to Jesus? And so the lad maybe said, okay, sure, let's do it. And so maybe Andrew leads him right up to Jesus, and he hands the food to Jesus, and maybe he thanks him. And perhaps, you know, I'm just imagining, maybe Jesus said to lad, lad, I'll tell you what, thank you so much. You just sit right down here, right in front. You just sit in the front row right here on the ground, and you watch what's going to happen with your food. Well, we know the story. Jesus thanked God for the food, and then he just started passing it out. He just started handing it to his disciples. And it's hard for our minds to grasp that. He, Jesus took these five pieces of bread and two pieces of fish, and he just started handing and they started handing to the multitude. And they fed this huge multitude of people, all this bread and fish sandwiches, or bread and fish. And the Bible says that God multiplied it. And if you read the other accounts, I think Matthew account says that there was 5,000 men plus women and children. So very conservatively, there could have been 15,000 people possibly, 10, 15,000 people. And they had all the fish sandwiches they wanted to eat. Buffet style, and 12 baskets left over. Can you imagine that? 
I don't know what they did with those 12 baskets. The Bible doesn't tell us, does it? I'd like to hope that maybe they gave one of those to the lad, huh? And maybe that lad took that basket of, of, of bread home to mama and he walks in the door after a long day of being away and he walks in and mama says, Woo, that look, looks just like the bread I made you. Where did you get all the bread? And what a story that little lad had to tell his mom and dad. How this man had multiplied his lunch and fed thousands and thousands of people. Friends, that lad's faith was probably small. But you know what, people? He gave it all. He gave all his lunch. And whatever became of that lad, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. I'll guarantee you he never forgot it. But brothers and sisters, tonight, here's what I want us to understand. That God will not multiply what you don't give him. We need to understand that. God will not multiply what we don't give him. If we decide we're going to keep that fish and bread for myself, you got it yourself. That's what you got. God won't multiply it. You know, that lad, as far as I know, he never became famous or rich that we know of, but he impacted the world. He fed 15,000 people or something like that. Now, if you read the account, it goes on that says that those men saw the miracle. The people saw the miracle there, and they followed Jesus. They wanted truth. Friends, tonight, do we have faith to give all? And I could read other accounts about Jesus, what he had to say about giving. And he's sitting in the treasure and he watches the rich men come by and ka-ching, ka-ching, they're throwing their money in. And he calls the disciples over and he says, now watch this, here comes a widow or a poor lady and she throws in two little coins. Jesus said, did you see that? He said, I'm not so concerned about how much they gave, but I'm more concerned about how much they kept. Jesus is not saying, friends, that we need to give every dollar we have in the offering plate on Sunday morning. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. But he, what he is saying is this. Are we willing to release to God what we have to give him all and let him multiply? Brothers and sisters, God will not multiply what we do not give to him, what we won't let go of. Living in faith is practical, friends. It's very practical. And so I ask us this question tonight, is there anything in my life that I'm holding back from God that I'm not willing to give to him? And I, I don't stand before you tonight as somebody that's perfect. I'm a work in progress. I am. I'm learning. But all friends, tonight, are we willing to let God multiply the things in our life? Are we willing to let go of our finances and say, God, it's yours? And you do with it what you want to do with it. Are we willing to give God the common everyday things in life? I guess I'm just so simple, I believe that. I like to give my cars and trucks to God. Let him multiply the miles as he wants to do it. Give our relationships to God. Give our families to God. Give our path of life to God. Give our gifts, our abilities and disabilities to God. And let him do with it what he wants to do with it. You know, Moses... Coming back to Moses, he was that man that couldn't talk. He said, God, I can't talk. I'm such a poor speaker. I can't ever do this, Lord. I can never stand before Pharaoh. But eventually, God, 
that eventually Moses gave his miserable tongue to God and the Lord multiplied that into a great leader, great, great leader. The just shall live by his faith. Faith to faith, from the start to finish, every day. My friends, tonight you have faith to carry on. From one battle to the next. Do you have faith to go down and cut those trees, tree number one, tree number two, and to build the ark that God has asked you to build in your lifetime? Do you have faith to go to that brother and talk to him? Do you have faith to do those difficult things that need to be done? Friends, tonight, do you have faith to believe in a personal God? A personal faith. You're not relying on some denominational faith or some congregational faith or some faith that mom and dad or grandpa had, but you have a personal faith in God. And friends, tonight, you have a faith to give God all. Will you stand with me for prayer?